Start it. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team here. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now the whole team here. Started from the bottom, now we're here. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 4040 Vision Podcast, the ultimate sports history pod brought to you by Sideline Sports. I'm your host, Colette Abdallah, and today I have the most special guest, the godfather of SLS or Sideline Sports, Abud Abdallah. What's up, man? How you doing? What's up, man? No relation, same last name, big fan, recurring guest. Love what you boys have been putting out. Um, so I'm happy to be here, especially for this one. I love it. I love it. So not first time, but definitely long time. For sure. So today we are doing a redraft of the top 16 picks in the 2013 NFL draft. Uh, This was a weird draft, a lot of talent, not so much in the top 16, as you'll see, but a lot of talent in this draft, a lot of big names. Uh, So what we'll do, of course, is go through each pick one by one, talk about who was picked in real life. And then Abud and I will take turns talking about who we would have taken instead and why. And once we're done with that, we'll do some quick honorable mentions of guys who maybe were just on the bubble. And then, of course, uh, we'll talk about why some of these guys did not survive the redraft. Uh, so we'll talk about what ha- what went wrong, maybe why they were picked so high, and why it didn't quite work out. So we will go ahead and get started. So with the first overall pick, the Kansas City Chiefs selected tackle Eric Fisher from Central Michigan. So, Abud, who did you have the Chiefs taking first overall? So uh, also I just want to say Eric Fisher, pretty shaky start to his career, did ultimately, I think he had like a one or two all pro season. So he eventually figured it out. But like, if you're talking about number one, you have to go with the pick that they made several rounds later, which is the tight end Travis Kelsey out of Cincinnati. You're talking about a tight end, six straight thousand yard seasons, kind of like reinvented what it meant to be. I feel like he, uh, who is that tight end from the Saints that I, but Jimmy Graham, like he, yeah. he's mm-hmm. the guy who we should have been having the Jimmy Graham argument about, like, does he deserve to get paid like a wide receiver? receiver because you can see it playoff games big moments i think he just recently joined like the 30 club 30 100 yard games in his uh in in his career and no tight end has ever gotten number one overall but obviously we're looking back on it in hindsight but i think Mm -hmm. if you look at this entire pool that would have been like my personal consensus number one so a little a different wrinkle so this time i actually don't know who abud picked and he doesn't know who i picked uh so usually we we compare notes a little bit beforehand uh and I'm actually surprised. So I thought I was going to be a little clever because I picked Travis Kelsey first too. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins got a little bit of consideration here, but I think how unique Kelsey is, uh, like you can get thousand yard receivers, you know, a few, you know, different rounds, but to get a tight end that's been consistently the best in the league for a long time, I think that's special. And like you said, he deserves to be paid like a wide receiver because he plays like a wide receiver. He puts up numbers like a wide receiver. And I think some of the durability and maybe just the fact that he's never been suspended for PEDs gives him a little bit of an edge uh, over DeAndre Hopkins. So, yeah, I think we're we're in agreement. For sure. Okay. So second overall, the Jacksonville Jaguars selected tackle Luke Jokel from Texas A&M. So I had them going in a completely different direction here. Uh, no offense to Luke Jokel, who did not work out whatsoever in the NFL. I had them taking DeAndre Hopkins out of Clemson. So uh, DeAndre went 27th overall, so a nice little jump from him. 
And I, we forgot to mention that Travis Kelsey went 63rd overall. So it's a huge jump for him. Um, DeAndre is the best receiver in this draft. The, he has the most receptions, the most yards, uh, the most touchdowns. So just all around great player. I think there was a few seasons where he had a case as the number one receiver uh, in this draft or in the NFL, I'm sorry. Uh, and, you know, definitely has been top five for most of his career. So who did you have the Jaguars taking? Uh, I, I also had DeAndre Hopkins. Like, I feel like there's like a trend in this draft that the there was a lot of reaches on offensive linemen, especially early on. But if you just look at like across the board, all skills positions, DeAndre Hopkins probably would have gone number one had Travis Kelsey not been in this draft class as well. But you just look at his production, you look at like, and of course, like, like you said, like a few PED run-ins, including this season, he's missing the first six games. But his production is undeniable. And I think uh, you could tell just by looking at all like the teams that he's been been on like the Texans teams weren't really going anywhere they had like a couple wild card berths but he still always managed to ball out and then now in Arizona I feel like he's a big reason why Kyler is taking that next step and getting this big money so you got to surround your team with like these dangerous weapons and I think DeAndre Hopkins you could make a point for him being the most dangerous weapon in this class and he's played with a lot of really bad quarterbacks and he's elevated them made them look competent uh, Matt Schaub, most, you know, I, I think when he started his career, a few other guys in Houston, I mean, he made Deshaun Watson look incredible. I mean, he's, he's obviously still a good quarterback, uh, but he made him look otherworldly and he made Kyler Murray look really, really good last year when he was available. So, yeah, consensus. I like it. I like it. Okay. So we'll move on. Third overall pick, uh, the Miami Dolphins selected defensive end Deion Jordan out of Oregon. So who did you have the Dolphins taking here? Side note, I don't know why. I've always been very weak for Oregon Ducks. I just always think that they produce the best athletes and I always want them to succeed. So this one, it hurt to not see them succeed in Miami. But I think Miami goes on the complete opposite side of the ball. And and I think they've had a reputation of not being able to draft like competent offensive linemen. And I think that this would have been the pick that kind of like changes that narrative for them moving forward. So I have them taking David Bakhtiari, tackle out of Colorado. He's become like a staple for the Green Bay Packers and, uh, you know, been a reliable uh, protector for Aaron Rodgers. I feel like especially through the QB carousel the Dolphins have been going through, if they're able to get a tackle like David Bakhtiari, that kind of like sets a culture for what you want the rest of your offensive line to look like. So, yeah, I have them going uh, David Bakhtiari. So we're three for three here. Um, So hopefully we'll switch things up and make things interesting. But, yeah, David Bakhtiari, uh, fourth-round pick, 109th overall out of, like you said, Colorado. Uh, And he's the consensus best offensive lineman in this draft. Uh, So three-time or two-time first-team All-Pro, three-time second-team All-Pro. And this pick makes so much sense for Miami. They had just drafted Ryan Tannehill the year before. And he was sacked 58 times after this season. Um, so aside from Deion Jordan not working out for them, they just missed a major, much-needed upgrade on the offensive line. So, yeah, he's a, a cornerstone that that would have been incredible for this team and would have kept Ryan Tannehill upright for, you know, that, that whole season. For sure, definitely. Okay. Fourth overall. So with the fourth overall pick, the Philadelphia Eagles selected tackle Lane Johnson out of Oklahoma. So 
Um, I had them actually sticking with Lane Johnson. Uh, so we talked about David Bakhtiari being the best offensive lineman in this draft. David Bakhtiari, or sorry, Lane Johnson is the second best offensive lineman in this draft. So he's also a multiple time all pro, uh, been a mainstay on the, the Eagles offense uh, and the Eagles offensive line for you know this whole decade. Uh, he's been pretty durable, except for the last few years was he's getting up there in age, but he's still an incredible player. Uh, again, two-time All-Pro and Super Bowl champion. So uh, one of the rare uh, picks where we actually stick with the original one. So who did you have the Eagles taking fourth? So I, I had them staying offensive line as well, but I had them taking uh, Travis Frederick, center out of Wisconsin. He was arguably the best center in football during his duration the condition the medical condition that he has it slips my mind now but cut his career short but i think prior to that uh was one of the top leaders and offensive linemen for sacks allowed year after year and just literally from the point that he was a rookie up until the point that he retired was like a staple of that cowboys offensive line that helped produce like such a tremendous run game and i kind of see that with the eagles too like especially like if they had him now and obviously if his health condition didn't happen the way that it did with the run game they have now Travis Frederick, who maybe you move Jason Kelsey to guard during the later years of his life, or you move him to guard. I'm not sure how it would work out, but I could just see it working out with like the scheme of offense that they have. So I had them taking uh, Travis Frederick from Wisconsin. He was incredible. Um, and the only reason I didn't have them taking him is because they already had Jason Kelsey. But like you said, you with a guy this good, who was a pro bowler, five straight years, never missed the game with the exception of that year. Uh, because the illness, yeah, I think it was an autoimmune disease that he had. Uh, but yeah, he was one of the best players, not just linemen in the NFL, one of the best players in the NFL. So, uh, But I think his shortened career had me picking him a little bit later. I think mm. top four, top five is is a little high uh, for a guy that only played, I think, what, uh, six years. So that that's the only thing. Right. Yeah. Like I said, had his medical condition not worked out, like ideally, I, I like if you've seen the production and everything, like he was, he was just a force on that offensive line. For sure. For sure. Okay. So we'll move on. So with the fifth overall pick, the Detroit Lions selected defensive end Ezekiel Ziggy Ansa out of BYU. So who did you have the Lions taking here? I had the Lions taking uh Tyron Matthew safety out of LSU. I think that, uh, as good as their offense has been, especially through like the Matt Stafford year, if you can call it good or like productive or whatever, they never really had like an anchor in that secondary that could really like hold things down until they drafted a guy later on in this draft who probably is going to get drafted way before he actually got drafted in real life. Uh, but I think Tyron Matthew, he can play that slot corner position. He plays the deep safety, really aggressive ball hawk in the secondary and, and played an instrumental role on that Kansas City Chiefs team that went to the Super Bowl, won the Super Bowl. Uh, so I, I think if we're going BPA, and especially with the players that have already been taken ahead of him, I think Tyron Matthew goes uh, number fifth. I had him going a little bit later than this. Uh, well, not a little bit, quite a few picks later. Uh, I just looked at a couple other guys in some positions of need. Uh, I don't hate the pick. Obviously, Detroit needed uh, you know, a cornerstone on that defense but I think they needed a major upgrade uh, on the offensive line. Um, and so I had them taking Eric Fisher. So, you know, he went first overall, just drops a few picks. And we talked about him. He was really good. Uh, took him a little while to get started, but he ended up being a multiple-time Pro Bowl uh, left tackle. And I think when you are trying to protect Matt Stafford and trying to build 
a competent offense. I think starting with a cornerstone franchise left tackle uh, is the way to go. For sure. And with the sixth overall pick, the Cleveland Cleveland Browns selected linebacker Barkevius Mingo out of LSU. So probably the best name in this draft, but not that great of a player. Um, So I had them going with another linebacker who I think is probably the best linebacker in this draft, and that is Jamie Collins. Uh, So Jamie Collins did end up playing for the Browns for, I think, half a season before getting traded back to uh, the Patriots. Uh, But he was 52nd overall, so a nice little jump for him. But he's just one of those guys that is a do-it-all type linebacker. He's one of the tackle leaders in this class. He's one of the sack leaders in this class. Uh, And he is maybe not quite an all-pro, but he's a guy that can revitalize your defense and can play every linebacker position and can obviously rush the passer as well. So who did you have the Browns taking here? So this was kind of like a BPA slash let me save you from your own mistakes the next year, because the next year the Browns would go on to draft Justin Gilbert, I believe. And had they drafted this player, they would have been never in need to do so. So I had them drafting Darius Slay, uh, a big play slay obviously got drafted by Detroit. I think he was a pro bowler twice in Detroit, if I'm not mistaken, and then made his transition over to Philadelphia. Now he could play the safety position, shut down corner, just a really productive uh, defensive back in the NFL. And arguably other, like I, I put Tyron Mathieu up here just because I feel like he's a much better run stopper than Darius Slay is. So adding that to the rest of his versatility, put him over him. But if you're talking just pure corner in this draft, Darius Slay is probably the best corner in this draft. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I had them, I had him going a little bit later, uh, but he definitely is in my, my top 16. Uh, So the pick makes sense. And I think they were looking, they've been looking for a shutdown corner for a long time. And I think he would have been a a great, great fit there. Uh, Okay. So with the seventh overall pick, the Arizona Cardinals selected guard Jonathan Cooper out of North Carolina. Who did you have the Cardinals taking seventh? So I actually had Lane Johnson going here. Uh, Jonathan Cooper obviously didn't work out for them. I think Lane Johnson, very reliable in the offensive line, just uh, in terms of what he's given up. I think he also had a little stint with like PEDs as well. But if that aside, quality offensive lineman uh, would have been a great tackle for the Arizona Cardinals. So I had Lane Johnson going here. From so Lane, yeah, incredible pick. Um, would have been a, a perfect fit here. I mean, he's one of the best offensive linemen in this draft. So he's off the board for me. Um, so I went in a slightly different direction. I went with uh, wide receiver Keenan Allen out of uh, Cal, Cal Berkeley. So uh, I think at this point they were starting uh, Michael Floyd opposite Larry Fitzgerald and the Cardinals were really good this year. Uh, and they had a really good offense and a solid defense. And I think having a guy like Keenan Allen opposite uh, Fitzgerald would have been massive, just incredible for this offense. And I think he would have been a natural successor uh for Fitzgerald and I believe uh Keenan Allen went 76th overall so a big jump for him from the third round to you know the top 10. Yeah I really like that pick I have Keenan Allen in my top 10 as well. Yeah he's quietly underrated uh you know the seasons that he's put up he's seems like he's always hurt but he's been you know pretty durable in in recent years with the exception of this week or this year I guess but uh, yeah, just a really good receiver with a lot of different uh, tools in his, uh, his toolkit. For sure. All right. So with the eighth overall pick, the then St. Louis Rams selected wide receiver Tavon Austin 
out of West Virginia. So he's one of the few guys <clears throat> from this first round that are still active. I think he's on Buffalo. Maybe not. Anyway, so I had them going in a different direction. I had them taking Le'Veon Bell. So he's become kind of a punchline at this point. He, well, literally a punchline. He just knocked out Adrian Peterson in one of those celebrity boxing matches, but he was really, really good, man. Uh, at his peak, he racked up rushing yards and receptions like it was nothing. He has, I think, two seasons with more than 75 catches and three seasons with more than 1,200 yards rushing. Uh, that contract dispute where he sat out for the year, I think, really derailed his career, and he ended up missing a whole season, which is not typical. Usually guys get paid or get traded uh, during that season, but uh, I think he would have been a great weapon for Sam Bradford, and I think had he played somewhere else, maybe that was more willing to pay him. I think he may have ended up being a Hall of Fame player. Yeah. So. It's a big compliment. I had them sticking wide receiver. Uh, I had them staying with uh, Keenan Allen. I, this is where I personally saw him going. I think Tavon Austin was explosive, especially like in the return game and on special teams and everything, but never really like panned out into the type of receiver they, they were hoping that he would be. But I think that you throw in like an incredible receiver like Keenan Allen into that offense, it's completely different. Maybe obviously lacking on like the return game, or maybe I think they still had Sedman Bailey or somebody like during that same time as well. So they, they could have figured that out. But I think Keenan Allen uh, would have been a great fit on that Rams team. That, yeah, and you give – I think that's what they were trying to do is trying to give Sam Bradford a good weapon. Um, so if it's not Le'Veon Bell, if it's not Tavon Austin, then why not Keenan Allen, who is right. definitely the, the second best receiver uh, in this draft. All right. So we're getting close to the top ten here. Uh, so with the ninth overall pick, the New York Jets selected D. Milliner, defensive back from Alabama. So who did you have the Jets picking here? I had them saying a uh, cornerback, but I had them taking Xavier Rhodes from Florida State. Uh, Xavier Rhodes in recent memory probably isn't anything that you would fear, but at one point in Minnesota, he, he was a pretty reliable corner out there on the outside, super physical, uh, always one of the, was one of the league leaders and tackles for defensive backs and uh, just a really good matchup out there on your number one receiver. So I think that D. Milner didn't work out but he had a lot of hype coming out of Alabama as a lot of Alabama defensive players usually do coming out. But I think that with Xavier Rhodes, especially like that, those first few years leading into the contract that he signed, the Jets would have had like five or six years of, of a quality first corner. Uh, yeah, this is definitely a position of need after they lost uh, Darrell Rivas. So I had them addressing it a little bit later because uh, they picked ninth and 13th in this draft. So I had them going uh, on the other side of the ball. So I had them actually taking Robert Woods here out of USC. So he went 41st overall originally. So again, a nice jump, but uh, you know, he had a slow start to his career in Buffalo. I think he was playing with EJ Manuel and, you know, whoever else they threw <laughs> at quarterback uh, Tyra Taylor, guys like that. And he's just become quietly one of the better receivers in the NFL playing with uh, the Rams. And then now with, with the Titans. And I think, uh, the Jets picked Geno Smith in the second round of this draft. So it would have given him a target to work with immediately. Uh, they had Santonio Holmes, but he was, I think, 30 or 31 at this point. And the other starting receiver was Jeremy Curley. So just two guys that, I mean, Santonio was still good, but Jeremy Curley doesn't scare anybody the way Robert Woods does. So I think you want to give your quarterback, especially your rookie quarterback, some reliable weapons. And I think they do just that by getting Robert Woods. 
Yeah, they they had put like a good team. I think there was one year that they had like Brandon Marshall and then that guy that came over from the Broncos and you know things that never really panned out. But I think if they had like a reliable receiver, that that whole Geno era would have probably worked out different for the Jets. Yeah, and maybe if he doesn't get punched in the face and break his jaw and all that, poor guy. That's it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's quite a that's a bad break for him. It's uh, a bad literally. way to lose your job. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right, with the uh, 10th overall pick, the uh, Tennessee Titans selected uh, Chance Warmack, guard out of Alabama. So I had them sticking with offensive line, but instead of Warmack, I had them going with Travis Frederick. So uh, I think everything I said earlier still applies. Maybe you don't want to use a top five pick on a guy that only plays six years, but I think a top 10 pick is, is reasonable, especially for a guy, again, that was one of the best players in the NFL during his peak, which was not a long peak, but six years of great play is, is worth it for a top 10 pick. Um, especially when you look at Warmack, who was okay. You know, I think he stuck around for a while, but he was nothing special. Of course, nothing good, you know, compared to Travis Frederick. So who did you have the Titans taking? Yeah. Also Travis Frederick being number one at your position is like, if you can do that two years in a row, that's impressive. So to be able to say that for like four or five years, man, like it, it's, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I had them staying with offensive guard, but I had them taking a uh, Kyle Long from Oregon, another duck out here in my top 10. Uh, Kyle Long, Kyle Long was masked by a lot of really bad teams, really, really bad teams. So you really didn't like see how much of an impact that he made quality offensive lineman. I think that, on this Titans team that he would have been a, a great services team. I think was this still was it, this wasn't the Jeff Fisher years, was this? No. I want to say it was. It was, yeah. No, he definitely seems like a Jeff Fisher guy to me. I'm gonna take Kyle Long here. Maybe it wasn't, maybe it was Mike Malarkey. Maybe. <laughs> uh yeah, Kyle Long, he started his career off three straight Pro Bowls. He was really good. Uh, but injuries piled up, and I don't think he played a full season after his third year. Which is a shame because, like I said, he was he was damn good. Uh, he got the pedigree. He's got the talent, but yeah, unfortunately, just uh, didn't work out for him. And he went twentieth overall, so you know he was worth the pick for sure for those few years. For sure. Okay, so with the eleventh overall pick, the then San Diego Chargers. And we had a lot of teams move in this top sixteen. Uh, the then San Diego Chargers selected the third Alabama player in a row. Uh, that is tackle DJ Fluker again out of Alabama. Uh, so who did you have the Chargers taking here? So I actually had Eric Fisher going here to the to the Chargers. I think that uh, he would have been a good uh, left tackle for Philip Rivers, and I think that that would have served him really well on that offensive line. But uh, I, I think that Eric Fisher again, like it was just those first few seasons coming into the league where like it was kind of uncertain what he would turn out to be before he kind of like found his groove and became like a, a dependable left tackle. But um, still a really good offensive tackle. I just didn't see him personally going top ten in my like players that I could like recollect off the top of my head. So, but I, but I had him going here to the Chargers. That's totally fair. Um... So Eric Fisher is off the board, but uh, in my draft, but he doesn't make a lot of sense, especially uh, when you do need that that bookend left tackle to keep a not mobile quarterback uh, upright. So uh, I had them going with a, a defensive tackle in Sheldon Richardson. So he went 13th overall. So just a slight little bump from 13th to 11th. Uh, San Diego was pretty good this year um, and they were close to top 10 in both offense and defense. So with this pick, they get the guy that was actually the defensive rookie of the year. 
Um, he has 33 and a half career sacks as an interior defensive lineman, which is pretty good. Um, he's become somewhat of a journeyman the last few years. I think he played Minnesota, uh, I want to say Baltimore, maybe one other place, but I don't think he's currently on a team uh, at this time. But I think he was really good for a long time, and I think he would have been a good fit uh, on this uh, in defense on the interior. Uh, Seattle Seahawks right now. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Good for him. He's still active, which is for an sure. achievement in this draft. All right. So with the 12th overall pick, the then Oakland Raiders selected uh, defensive back DJ Hayden out of Houston. Uh, this pick hurts, man. Hurts in a major way. So um, I believe you went first last time. So I will go. And I had them taking uh, Tyron Matthew. Uh, so I know you had him going really early. I had him going, you know, this is 12th overall. So not, you know, it's not a, a big, a bit of big insult to him, but he goes from 69th to 12th overall in my draft. Probably the best DB in this draft. Um, you said Darius Slay was the best corner, but he's definitely the best safety. He can play slot corner, maybe earlier in his career. He can play free safety, strong safety. Great player, playmaker, Super Bowl champ, three-time All-Pro. He's the interceptions leader in this class with 27. Um, they would have been able to put him next to Charles Woodson, so he would have had a nice guy to learn from and a mentor, because uh, I think he had some character issues coming into the draft. He had, like, he failed some, like, weed, like a drug test because of weed or something stupid like that, but... That was a big reason why he fell. He's a little undersized as well. I think that was one of the reasons uh, he dropped. But yeah, he would have been nice to see in, in silver and black. And I think they went after him pretty hard this offseason, but it just didn't work out. So uh, who did you have the Raiders taking here? So I had the Raiders actually taking Jamie Collins from Southern Miss. I think that this would have been a great linebacker to add to that core that you guys had. Uh, just a really good productive linebacker. He can get to the quarterback. He can stop the run. He can play passing lanes. Um Really reminds me of kind of like a like a richer man's version of another player who's probably probably not going to make my top 16, but he will be one of my honorable mentions. So uh, but, but a really quality linebacker, Jamie Collins. We saw that in New England. And I think that you put that on Oakland. And I think that he actually becomes like a staple of that defense. Yeah, he would have been a fan favorite. Uh, I think they took C.O. Moore later in this draft, who played well for like a year or two before flaming out. So uh, defense was a major need. Uh, I think they had the 29th ranked defense <laughs> that season. So, yes, it's, bad. <laughs> it's not good. I'll tell you that it's not great. So makes sense. All right, we'll move on before I, I linger too long on this DJ Hayden pick. Uh, so with the 13th overall pick, the New York Jets selected defensive tackle Sheldon Richardson out of Missouri. So who did you have the Jets taking here? So this one. I, this is like the only pick that I had actually staying the same. And I don't I don't know if it's just because it makes sense or if it's because I literally live with a Jets fan and had I taken this pick away from them, I felt like I would have been stabbing him in the heart. But I have him keeping Sheldon Richardson, uh, probably one of the best interior defensive linemen, still a very productive interior defensive lineman. You, you won't see a lot of like production out of him in terms of sacks, but what he provides in run stopping and tackles and everything. I think he has like a consistent streak of 40 or 45 or more tackles in a season. So just to speak about like how near, like grimy he can get on that defensive line for you. So, uh, and again, defensive player, rookie, rookie of the year, his, his freshman year, defensive rookie of the year, his, his uh, rookie year, you get it. Defensive rookie of the year. I guess. Uh, and and uh, just would go on to be a, a staple for that Jets defense. I think he ended up getting into like some silly 
trouble. I'm not going to reiterate the story here, but they had to do something with like firearms and a car or whatever. So just, I guess what happens when you're under the bright lights, but still a really good football player. So I had them sticking with Sheldon Richardson. Yeah. So he's off the board for me. I had him going obviously 11. So I, I think very highly of him. He's the uh, second in sacks uh, in this draft, which is great for uh, an interior defensive lineman. So 33 and a half uh, over you know 10 years or whatever is, is nothing to sneeze at. So um, as I said earlier, I had the Jets taking uh, or addressing the defensive back position or the cornerback position, and Darius Slay is, is my pick here. So he's still on the board. Uh, so he's another great player, just took a little bit of time to get started, um, I think, in his career. But he has quickly become one of the premier, not just, you know, shutdown corners in this league, but one of the best playmakers in this league. The guy seems to score a touchdown uh, every week or every year uh, he's making big plays. Uh, they don't call him big play slate for no reason. So uh, I think he would have been a great replacement for Darrell Rivas and would have been a great pairing with uh, Antonio Cromartie, who was a pro bowler this year. Yeah, that's a great pick. I really like that pick for them as well. I think I had them. I had them yeah. I had them taking a corner. I think that's why. Yeah. I had them taking Xavier Rhodes. So yeah, right along the same lines. I agree. So similar thinking here. Cool. All right. So with the 14th overall pick, the Carolina Panthers select star Lotulele, a defensive tackle out of Utah. So um, I will stick with, you know, the big men, but on the other side of the ball here, and I had them actually taking uh, tackle Teron Armstead. Uh, so Teron Armstead was picked by the Saints, uh, 75th overall, and he's still active. He's still one of the best offensive linemen in the league, still one of the best left tackles in the league. He's currently with the Miami Dolphins, uh, but yeah, he's a, a one-time All-Pro, first-team All-Pro, I believe, uh, three-time Pro Bowler, and just a guy that would have been a great bookend uh, tackle for uh, a pretty good Panthers team at this time. I think they went to the Super Bowl, not this year, but but a few years after this. Uh, they also lost Jordan Gross after this year, who was one of the best tackles in the NFL, uh, who retired early, so he would have been a nice replacement for him. Um, and it would have been a good asset to this uh, Cam Newton-led offense. So who did you have the Panthers taking here? So what's interesting is that the Panthers went back-to-back -back picks with defensive tackles, but I think they got it mixed up because I would have taken Quan Short uh, with their 14th overall pick defensive tackle out of Purdue. Uh, he was a big part of that uh, Panthers team that made that Super Bowl run. And I think he would go on to sign like an $80 million contract, not counting your pockets. Good for you. Go get your money. Um, but I do think that he was a havoc on that defensive line. And if you compare him and stars production, I think that they would rather have taken it in that reverse order as well. So I had them taking Kwan short. Yeah. It's not like star was a, a, a bad pick. Uh, I think he's one of my honorable mentions, but Kwan short really good uh, for a long time. He is third on this team uh or on this in this draft um in terms of sacks and like you said they did pick him later in this draft uh he wasn't on my top 16 but again so many damn good players it's hard to especially near the end it's hard to, to narrow this down um so great pick and obviously it makes sense because that's that's who they were looking for was a dominant defensive tackle right okay so with the 15th overall pick the new orleans saints selected kenny vaccaro defensive back out of texas uh, i believe it's my turn yeah yeah so i had them going uh with an undrafted guy so a little pick out of left field but i had them picking adam thielen 
So he is one of the best receivers in this draft. He's actually, uh, you know, he's not listed. And like, if you look at football reference, he's not listed as one of the guys, but I think he would be uh, fifth in yards or sixth in yards, which is an incredible achievement for an undrafted guy. He's been tearing it up in Minnesota uh, after a slow start to his career as a rookie. But I just imagine him on this offense with uh, Marquez Colston, Jimmy Graham. I think they took Kenny Stills later in this draft. So just that trio of Colston, Thielen, and Stills would have been incredible. I think, obviously, the Saints are always good on offense, but they were pretty good on defense. I think they had a top 10 defense this year. So I think they, if they addressed offense, it would have made sense. So who did you have the uh, Saints picking here? I actually had them drafting Teron Armstead, who later on would go on to become a New Orleans Saint. But I just think that from the inception, it would have been great, especially like to have that anchor leading you towards like the twilight of Drew Brees' career and just knowing you have that reliable tackle on that edge. And he really like he was good, but he didn't really come into form until he was in New Orleans, got a couple all pro seasons. And now, like you said, like one of the best offensive tackles in the league, bar none. So I had him going here. So that's back-to-back. You had guys picked by the team just a little later in the draft. So I dig it. I get it. Um, All right. So with the last pick of the uh, top 16 from the 2013 draft, the Buffalo Bills selected quarterback EJ Manuel out of Florida State. So who did you have the Bills picking here? So (laughs) once again, I have a team picking a player who would go on to play for them. I had them taking Micah Hyde. Uh, Micah Hyde got drafted by the Packers, was a great safety for the Packers, would go on to the Bills and then just explode. I think his first season with them had like six interceptions, eight interceptions, was like one of the team leaders and tackles, Um, just an all around menace in the defensive backfield. I think he's right there behind Tyron Matthew for like best safety in this draft class, personally speaking. So, yeah, I I had the I had the uh, Bills addressing defense in this one. It's it's really funny that you say that because I had. Uh, I was considering another guy that currently plays for them, but not Micah Hyde. It was uh, Jordan Poyer. Okay. So um, he went uh, 218th overall. Uh, so he's a seventh round pick. I think Micah Hyde was a fifth round pick. So uh, both these guys drafted late and they formed probably the best safety duo uh, in the NFL. I think Hyde is on uh, IR now, but yeah, both incredible players. I considered it, but I ended up giving the edge to Xavier Rhodes. Um, I think he's been better longer than Poyer. Um, I think he's just the you know, third best defensive back in this draft after Matthew and uh, Darius Slay. Um, yeah, he's a, you know, I think that's, he's not leading the class in interceptions, but I think Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer have more interceptions than him. But I think it's, it's, it's tough to judge a cornerback by uh, interceptions because for a long time, he was just a shutdown corner and people didn't throw his way. So yeah, I had them taking Xavier Rhodes here. For sure. And it's also easier to get turnovers when you're just kind of playing over the top support as opposed to just literally being like the line of defense between the receiver and the end zone. So it's like you said, like if they're not throwing it his way, he can't, he has no control over that. Exactly. They're not, uh, you know, leaving a safety on an Island the way they do corners. All right. So that was it for our redraft. So let's talk honorable mentions. So who were some of your honorable mentions and maybe a quick little reason why? 
Um, so obviously you had him drafted. I had him actually going 17th to the Steelers, Le'Veon Bell, uh, just all around productive back. I think that his second year in the season, his second year in the league, he had like 2,200 yards of total production. And then obviously would go on to have that contract dispute, would go to New York. Things kind of didn't pan out, would go to Kansas City. I don't really know. Is he still in Kansas City? I have no idea. Where no, in the world is Le'Veon Bell? He's punching people in the face. For You're me. right. You did mention that <laughs> earlier. So Le'Veon Bell, obviously just a great productive back, uh, really physical running back. I had Eric Reed, uh, safety from LSU, just uh, another great defensive back. Um, let me see here if I had – oh, Adam Thielen, who went completely undrafted. I, I actually had him going – where did I have Adam Thielen going? I'm not going to look at my list right now, but also just the simple fact that he went undrafted, spent time on the Minnesota Vikings, like on their practice squad, his first few years in the league only had like 20 catches or something like that. And then to literally explode onto the scene and then become like one of the best receivers, in my opinion, in the NFL. Um, and now he just kind of compliments Justin Jefferson and kind of realizes that like it's his team, but like he's still he's still a bad MF you know, on that Vikings team. So. Yeah, obviously I had him going 15th, so I really liked him. I, I was surprised that you didn't have Le'Veon Bell in your top 16. I think he was similar to Travis Frederick, where his peak was just incredible, but obviously things flamed out for, <laughs> for different reasons. So um, my honorable mentions, I'll do. I'll go real quick here. Alec Ogletree, uh, linebacker for the Rams. He was really good for a long time. Uh, Larry Warford, great guard, uh, again, for a long time. Uh, the current... Bills uh, safety pairing, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. They're both right on the bubble for me. Uh, Zach Ertz was another guy, best tight end uh, in this draft. And uh, I think he is uh, fifth in catches and, or sorry, fourth in catches and fifth in yards in this draft. So him and Kelsey in the same draft. So, uh, you know, good tight end class. Uh, one other guy, Starlow to Lele. So I thought he was really good. He didn't put up the numbers that Kawan Short did, but He's more of a run-stuffing defensive tackle anyway. Hard to quantify that. Uh, and then our guy, uh, Odeo Bushi, uh, mm -hmm. first Palestinian-American drafted, so I have to give him a little shout-out. Uh, and then two undrafted guys, uh, A.J. Boye and C.J. Anderson. Just I, I thought, why not give him a shout? They were undrafted, and they both had long careers in the NFL, especially A.J. Boye, so good for them. Definitely. No, I, I like all of those. I liked Alec Ogletree too. Also, I want to throw this out there. Uh, the Ravens took uh, Matt Elam safety out of Florida. If you lived in Florida and if you heard the, the legend of Matt Elam, you would have swore that this guy was going to become the next incarnation of Ed Reed and it just never panned out. And I think every Floridian's heart broke just seeing that Matt Elam didn't turn out to be what we thought he was. He was good though. He was. He was. <laughs> it wasn't Ed Reed though, unfortunately. No, no one is, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're on for our final segment of the, the pod, and that is the guys who did not survive the redraft. So this was a rough draft, man, in the top 16, even the first round, really. Uh, well, I guess the, the back half of the first round was good, but uh, at least for me, 13 of the top 16 guys did not survive the redraft. I think it may be the same for you. I don't think you had any of these guys. Um, so maybe we could do a little lightning round. Uh, we'll just go through, talk about, you know, why they didn't make it, maybe what what went wrong for them. Uh, so we'll start with Luke Jokel. What what went wrong for Luke Jokel? 
He got drafted by the Jaguars. That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, honestly, coming out of Texas A&M, everybody kind of expected him to, like, because you play in the SEC, that you would be able to handle these, like, dominant pass rushers and everything. But it's a, it's a different step. I, I forgot who I was talking to this to, but, like, offensive linemen in college, you can get by in college by just being bigger and using that to your advantage. But if you don't grow up with the technical skill or being able to, like, implement that into your game, you're going to get dominated by guys that actually know the techniques that they're putting up against. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just like quarterbacks at the top of the draft. It's a, it's a, a roll of the dice picking left tackles and they, you know, Eric Fisher was good. Luke Joko was not. So literally a coin flip between the first two picks uh, next up Dion Jordan. So third overall to the dolphins did not work out. I think he had some off the field issues. He bounced around a bit. Um, he ended up, playing, I think, for the Raiders and the Seahawks. You know, he popped up here and there with some big plays, but just never was consistent. Uh, I think he was undersized, and I think that that went, uh, you know, that hurt him. Uh, so fifth overall, Ziggy Ansah. What happened to Ziggy Ansah? I actually, I love Ziggy Ansah. I actually think that he was, especially his first few years in the NFL, he was a really good defensive end on those like really bad Detroit teams. But I think injuries kind of riddled him and then his production just dipped. And that's literally the name of the game. Like if you're not putting up the numbers, especially after we see you reach double digit sacks, it's almost like, okay, so you're capable of doing that. So we want to see that from you. But again, you add in injuries, you add in being on bad teams. And so not a bad player. I still think that he made my first round like the top. 32 but just mm-hmm. not not the fifth overall pick in this draft yeah he, he should have been my honorable mention so i i probably should have mentioned because he is the sack leader in this class uh 50 and a half sacks uh over uh eight seasons or eight total seasons but only uh 93 career games so that's more than a sack every other game so you know he was good at times he did have those peaks where uh his pro bowl season is all pro season he had 14 and a half sacks but like you said, injuries got him uh, and he had a pretty short prime and he, you know, is no longer in the league. I think he hasn't played in two years. Uh, he's officially retired, but yeah, he was good. Just not great. And not, not definitely not worth the for fifth round pick or first, the fifth overall pick <laughs> or yeah, right. even a top half of the first round pick. Uh, next guy is Barkevius Mingo sixth overall to the Browns. So I think he was just, undersized kind of a tweener and is the Browns man the Browns just ruin guys <laughs> they ruin careers for a long time so yeah. any thoughts on Barkevious Mingo I have a I don't know why I I don't I don't remember him being as uh, he was on the Jets at one point I feel like he was productive but I, I think that may maybe have just been like a flash in the pan type thing I don't know also great name I know you said it earlier but Barkevious Mingo you would think that that's like a guy who's going to come out and have like 18 and a half sacks every year or so <laughs> yeah he had five sacks his, his rookie year but after that just you know he was okay he's he, was, he stuck around for a while he was useful but again not worth a top 10 pick mm-hmm. um jonathan cooper uh went seventh overall to the cardinals what went wrong with jonathan cooper jonathan cooper i have uh i i, I personally to his story i'm not sure but also just Offensive linemen out of the ACC personally scare me, just being a Giants fan, Eric Flowers, and then you just see like a Kwanu that came out of UNC and like all these other guys. It's like they just get hurt. I don't know what it is about them. They get hurt. They're not reliable. They're not dependable. And then I don't think Jonathan, where's, is Jonathan Cooper on the Cardinals right now? No, he hasn't played since 2018. 
2018. Okay, last yeah. memory I had of him was on the Cardinals. And yeah, I, I couldn't even tell you. So he played for Washington last. So maybe it was just the red. That, maybe, that had perhaps. Uh, yeah, he just, you know, offensive lineman, man. It's tough. He didn't play a lot. He got hurt a lot. Uh, and he flamed out. So um, usually for me, it's like just just go Big Ten or SEC for offensive right. linemen. Draft somebody from Wisconsin or uh, Alabama, you should be okay. Yeah, shout out Dave Gettleman. We love those hog mollies. <laughs> All right. Uh, Tavon Austin, eighth overall to the St. Louis Rams. Yeah, he's still active in the NFL. Uh, but yeah, what what went wrong with him? With Tavon? Uh, I just, I think that like he's extremely undersized. And if you're going to be undersized, I think that you have to be like one of these deep ball threats. Like you could be like a Deshaun Jackson or like a Tyreek Hill or like one of these guys, but I just never really saw that pan out for him. And he's kind of been a journeyman, especially at the last few years. I feel like I've seen him on multiple teams since like he was like the guy in St. Louis, so to speak. So um, again, incredible in terms of like what he can contribute special teams wise and offensive line wise. And maybe I think I may have had him going in like the second round of this draft. I'm not sure, but just not, not in the position that he was taken to like steer that franchise. Yeah. He was incredible in college. Uh, he was all around player, you know, I think 2000 scrimmage yards or something his senior year. So I get it, but he always just seemed like a gadget guy to me um you know somebody that's not gonna ever catch 100 balls or even you know 60 70 balls and they tried to get him involved if i remember correctly you know running a lot of screens and reverses and things like that trying to get him the ball but yeah he's just never you know good enough and he definitely deserves to be drafted he wasn't like a complete bust but definitely not in the uh the top half of the first round definitely not in the top 10 for sure okay. uh next up d milliner Ninth overall to the New York Jets. What went wrong for D. Milliner? Just underwhelming. Gave a big play after big play. He wasn't as advertised. Like I said, like if you come out of like an institution like Alabama, there's usually like a reputation or like an expectation that comes out of that. And he just didn't live up to that expectation. And I think that this is a few years removed from those Jets teams that went to back to back conference finals or I'm sorry, AFC championship games and so i'm sure that they were trying to like recatch the moment of that defense and they thought that they were getting uh, a really reliable defensive back in him but it just it never really panned out yeah he had some injuries early on but i think he may be the bust of the draft uh at least of the top 10 maybe jokel because he went second overall but uh yeah he was in the nfl for three years played you know 20 games so 21 games so yeah, this is probably the, the worst pick of the the top ten. Again, maybe maybe you give the edge to uh, uh, Luke Jokel, but yeah. Uh, all right, tenth overall, Chance Warmack, uh guard went to the Tennessee Titans. So yeah, I think he just he's just not good enough. Simple as that. I mean, he was decent. Um, he had a uh, not a long career, but you know, I think he played in the NFL for five six years. Uh, so another guy that was just more of a backup than a uh, a true starter so just overdrafted yeah the, i'm gonna be honest with you the further we get out of the top 10 of who is actually drafted a lot of these names i really have to go back and be like who the hell is this guy yeah. I, chance, <laughs> chance warmack i could not even tell you like a fun fact if he's left-handed right-handed <laughs> uh all right speaking of fun facts uh this guy's a great name i should have mentioned this earlier but dj fluker uh 11th overall just a great name um what went what went wrong for DJ Fluker? 
DJ Fluke, I think he was another one that was always injury riddled, and that's what eventually got him like his departure from San Diego, now Los Angeles or whatever. I know the Giants. I think we tried to take a flyer on him one year, and the guy was just not he was not capable of playing at, at, at what we're used to seeing him as. But um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was just injuries that like shortened or kind of just like ruined everybody's perception of him. Yeah, just another guy that and he played for seven, eight years. So again, he was a useful offensive lineman. He had a couple good years to start, but injuries and stuff caught up to him. And he's a guy that, you know, was drafted as a tackle, but probably should have been drafted as a guard, uh, which would have, of course, affected his uh, his draft stock. So, yeah. And then uh, DJ Hayden, <laughs> 12th overall to the Raiders. This was a weird pick from, from the start, man. I mean, the dude had a catastrophic heart injury. Uh, I think earlier that year, he got like hit by a teammate. They collided in midair and he had open heart surgery. So I remember watching this draft as a Raiders fan. I was like, why the hell would they pick this guy? They had, I think already traded down from third overall to 13th. So I was already kind of, you know, miffed about that. Um, And yeah, he was, he was okay for the Raiders. He had his best years as a slot corner for the Jaguars. I think for the Lions as well. But when you're drafted 12th overall, uh, we're not expecting okay. So, yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Massive overdraft. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, 14th overall was Star Lotulele. So, I think we both had him as honorable mention. So, nothing really went wrong with him. He just, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of an overdraft here. Yeah, just not exactly. There's still a quality player. It's just the guy that was also drafted with you to play the position was just a, a bit better. Yeah. All right. And then 15th overall, uh, Kenny Vaccaro uh, went to the New, New Orleans Saints. Uh, I think he's another guy that was a good player uh, for a long time, but just not top 15 worthy. Uh, would you agree? Yeah, I loved Kenny Vaccaro at Texas. I thought that he was a dog. I thought the Saints actually got themselves like a major hit with this pick. And he was good. Like he wasn't bad by any means. But again, he's not like a he's not like a like a set the tone type of safety. Like he's just going to go out there and do his job and just kind of fill in wherever you need him to. Yeah, he was third in the rookie of the year voting. So he was good. Uh, you know, 10 career interceptions. He had uh again a long career. He played for the Saints uh for five years and then uh, for the Titans for three years on some good teams. So he probably deserves to be an honorable mention, but and he may have still been a first round pick, but just not top 15. Uh, and then uh, last but not least, but maybe he is least uh, EJ Manuel quarterback uh, out of Florida state went to the Buffalo bills, 16th overall. What went wrong with EJ Manuel? This is a kid's show. What kind of what kind of language can I use? I'm just playing. All right. First <laughs> thing, when he was getting recruited, you went to Florida State, my guy. That was your first mistake. All right. Uh, I Florida State quarterbacks, in my opinion, are completely overrated. I'm a big Jameis Winston guy, but I think even I can agree that Jameis Winston is not the upper echelon of quarterbacks. And EJ Manuel is about a quarter of what Jameis Winston was, and there was just too many expectations for this guy. It's like. If he was on those national championship FSU teams, I could see how you thought that this was going to be the guy. But I feel like from the moment that we saw him come in in Buffalo, it's like, okay, like this is not this is not the long term answer. Pretty good arm. I'm not going to say that he can't throw the ball, but just in terms of like being a winner and good decision making, I don't EJ Manuel was never meant to like lead a team. He's a guy that comes in. He's like a. 
Tyler Huntley from Baltimore, if he comes in, hey, like, good thing we have this guy on the roster, but like I'm not steering the ship with this guy. So I think he is a complete overdraft, and I think he the only reason that he went this high is because this was a horrendous quarterback draft. Not even like, you know, okay, not even kind of bad. It was horrendous, right? If you look at some of the names that were taken, uh, obviously EJ Manuel, Geno Smith, okay, Mike Glennon, yuck, Matt Barkley, yuck, Ryan Nassib, yuck, Tyler Wilson, Landry Jones, Brad Sorensen, who? Zach Dissert, Dysert, who? BJ Daniels, Sean Renfrey. Not a single one of those guys is a good quarterback, with the exception maybe of Geno Smith, who's having a, a, a resurgence. But yeah, just a horrendous quarterback draft. So yeah, that would I, I, that would also contribute to that as well. Also, Geno, I I thought Geno was a better quarterback coming out of Virginia than EJ Manuel was coming out of FSU. Same conference, same everything, just in terms of like tools and everything. I thought Geno was a much better quarterback. Yeah, I think EJ Manuel just looked the part. He's a little more statuesque. You know, I think he was like, he's like 6'5", big dude, big arm. Geno Smith was a little bit smaller, a little shiftier. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't say he was like a mobile quarterback, but he just didn't, you know, fill a jersey the same way that EJ Manuel does. So, yeah, just a, a like I said, horrendous quarterback draft. So he was, he was overdrafted because of that. So um, any last thoughts on this draft or? on maybe some honorable mentions that, that you might've forgotten, or maybe just a player that was super memorable for you from this draft. Uh, Justin Pugh. I, I love Justin Pugh. I think he was also a former Raider as well. It really broke my heart when we got rid of him. Um, I'm not going to call him a bust. I didn't have the Giants picking him. I actually had us taking Zach Ertz because if you look at every other tight end on the, on the team, Larry Donnell and Bear Pasco and all these weirdos, Zach Ertz kind of just makes sense. But uh, I loved Justin Pugh. I thought that he could have been like the next incarnation of like a Chris Snee or like a one of these guys or like a Sean O'Hare or somebody from like those Giants teams that could have like been the anchors. So I don't know why. Just one of those offensive linemen I'm always going to have an affinity for. I, I totally get that. Uh, and I think he he finished his career in Arizona. I don't, I don't know if he played for the the Raiders, but uh, for me, just a couple guys that super memorable. I mean, Latavius Murray. He is the second leading rusher in this class, even though he was a sixth round pick. He was incredible on the Raiders, uh, on you know my favorite Raiders team of the past twenty years. Uh, the dude's still trucking. I mean, he just played for the Saints last week. I think he's on the Broncos now. So good for him for still being around. Um, and then another guy that's super fun is uh, Cordero Patterson. I mean, the the dude got drafted as a receiver in the first round. It looked like he was going to be one of the biggest busts as a receiver in the NFL. And then all of a sudden, you know, Jack Del Rio is playing him at running back for the Raiders. And then now he's, you know, I wouldn't say he's one of the best running backs in the NFL, but shit, maybe he is. He's I upper know. half. I would say that. Yeah, I would I, I definitely not top 10, but, nah. you know, I don't know if you could name 16 backs uh, that were better than him. So good for him for. Uh, becoming, you know, a really good player. And ironically enough, he is a the all-pro leader in this class in terms of first-team all-pro. So it came as a kick returner, but he was an all-pro first-teamer four times and a second-team all-pro twice. So maybe he deserved an honorable mention. But again, it came as a kick returner. So, Oh, know. man, I just saw this name. I can't believe I didn't bring this up. Desmond Trufant, 
cornerback out of Washington, a really good corner in Atlanta. Uh, just another one of those really productive cornerbacks. And just, I feel like he's like a, for the longest time, whenever I thought of the Atlanta Falcons, all I could think of was Desmond Trufant just because I couldn't name anybody else on their defense. Yeah, man. And I think the the lesson that I get every time we do this, uh, these redrafts, especially for the NFL, it's like, it's absurd how much talent you can find in the, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. Like the guys, the leading Pro Bowl guys, uh, obviously, other than you know Travis Kelsey, uh, is Kyle Uzcheck, who was a fourth round pick, and he's balling. Uh, and guys, you know that we other other guys that we talked about that made huge leaps from the third and fourth round, uh, even undrafted guys uh, made it into the top sixteen. So it's it's incredible, man. It just shows you how inexact of a science these drafts are. Right, for sure. Cool. Well, that's our show for today. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening and tuning in. Uh, make sure to please you know, follow, like, and subscribe the 4040 Vision Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at the 4040 Vision Podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at 4040 Vision Pod. Uh, make sure to, again, like and subscribe on all the major podcasting platforms at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, etc., etc. Thank you, Abud. It was a lot of fun, man. Thanks for coming on. For sure. Thanks for having me again. Big fan. Love what you guys are doing over here. And uh, yeah, I think this one, this one's going to be a good episode. I'm biased to speaking. Thanks, everybody. Catch you next time. Peace. Shut the, shut the up. I got way too much on my mental. I learned from what I've been through. I'm finna do what I didn't do and still waking up like the rest do. Not complicated. It's simple. I got sexy ladies, a whole bins full. And to them all, I'm married, Everything but gentle, but I still take my time. Man, I guess I'm just old-fashioned, wearing retro sh- That's old-fashioned. See what I'm saying? No closed caption. I paint pics. See this ish? Good. Need to hit. Keep a bra on the floor. Yeah, round like.